0: Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. This week you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick and Brennan as we break down the opening weekend for the Rhythm Section as well as Gretel and Hansel. Remember, as always, you can check us out online at MovieBabbleReviews.com. So, breaking down this weekend's top five at the box office, we have Bad Boys for Life, and that's still going pretty strong with $17.67 million, followed by 1917 at $9.66 million, Doolittle in the number three spot with $7.7 million, followed by Gretel and Hansel opening up at $6.05 million, and The Gentleman rounds out the top five at $6.01 million. So, nothing too crazy. Going on at the box office. We're still in kind of a slump. And I mean, we will probably get out of it a little bit this next week with Birds of Prey. But for right now, we're just kind of at that beginning of the year time where nothing's making a ton of money. But Bad Boys for Life is actually going really strong. It's at almost $300 million worldwide right now. Um, they've already greenlit a fourth movie, uh, which I believe they actually greenlit on the release weekend for this movie. I mean, it's, it's, the third weekend at the box office for bad boys. And it's just, it's making cash.
1: Yeah. I did not see this coming at all. It's actually, I mean, I talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago, but I kind of expected this movie to flop badly. Like I saw that 90 million budget and I just, I just looked at all the factors. Will Smith is just has a terrible picker. And I think like the last Martin Lawrence movie was like big mama's house. I don't even know what the <laughs> hell he was last. In. It was so long ago. And somehow it worked. And this movie functions like an actual movie. And it's weirdly the best Bad Boys movie. Um, maybe. I think Bad Boys 2 is the most entertaining. Uh, but that movie is just so insane and full of cocaine that it's like, it's not. it doesn't work as an actual movie. And this one does. <laughs> so it's really interesting to see. But yeah, it's really good stuff. This movie's definitely already made a profit. It's just kind of hanging out and really taking advantage of kind of this lull in the box office schedule, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's just. You
2: really can't complain if you're Sony. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that I didn't quite see coming as well. I, I, you know what? I think that it just is a testament to like how, not impactful, but how uh, big those first two films were. I mean, they really galvanized a fan base after those first two films so many years ago. And I think it's kind of sad though for Michael Bay. I mean, the last two franchises that have kind of gotten a little bit of a shakeup um the transformers one and now this one obviously bumblebee didn't perform that great at the box office however the film i think was an absolute step up from the other ones and that's kind of what the reception is from this movie as well
1: maybe here's here's an idea what if what if michael bay isn't a good director
2: <laughs> no, what if he's not, he's not. <laughs> no it's just funny i, it's I just refuse funny. to believe it <laughs> It's, it's funny that back-to-back years or these last two years we we just see these two franchises kind of get a a real fresh um a fresh take and it's the reason is they dropped a uh, good old michael bay
1: yeah i i guess my my thinking has always been that he was always he was better when he was constrained by what visual effects were i feel like bad boys 2 is like an interesting like breaking point where it's like it's right when like like cocaine started to come into the picture and then like. Visual effects started to become more of a thing. Like pu- like everything pre-Bad Boys 2 is like was, is what people consider his best movies because he kind of has to deal with just all practical stuff. And now in the Transformers movies, you have like shit flying all over the place. And <laughs> if you watch like, uh, like Six Underground, it's like I have no idea what's happening. There's just CGI metal flying all over the place. It's just so incoherent. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's just – he's just kind of stuck – he wants to do all this crazy stuff, but he doesn't quite know how to rein himself in. And he's kind of like so popular at this point, you know, that like, no, like producer can be like, Hey, you need to relax Michael Bay. And he'll just be like, fuck you. I've made like six bajillion dollar movies. So like, you can go somewhere else with that. And now Netflix is paying him all the money. So it's just, he's in that weird zone now where he just, he doesn't have to listen to anybody, but he really
2: should (laughs) like really, really badly. The, The rule of thumb here, I think is just drop Michael Bay from your franchise. And, uh, you might actually have a good turnaround. So I mean, are you guys ready for that Pearl Harbor remake yet or what? Sure, why
1: not? Pearl so Harbor you need, two. You need, Pearl Harbor 2. You
0: need Michael Bay to get it going and then you have to hurry up and kick him out and then bring somebody else in.
1: Yeah. You gotta do the Michael J. Fox just fire before like a month or like a week into shooting. Like the day with Back to the Future and bring someone else in.
0: And uh I do want to touch back on martin lawrence uh you were close his second to last movie was big mama's like father like son in 2011 but he also appeared in last year's the beach bum so he's got
1: oh that's right my favorite favorite movie ever (laughs) i love the beach bum How could i forget? And uh, I want everyone to remember his character in that movie is Captain Wack. <laughs> I want loves everyone to know that
2: lot. Uh, that Nick's not being sarcastic here. He loves this movie.
1: I, it's it made my top ten list. It's literally <laughs> it's literally one of my favorite movies of last year. No shame. How can I forget Captain Wack? So <laughs> Role of a lifetime.
0: It's also been a weird twelve months for Will Smith because he's had. Two pretty solid I mean, he had Aladdin, which grossed a billion dollars against kind of everybody's expectations, and now he's got Bad Boys. But in the middle, he had <laughs> um, I can't even think of the name, Gemini Man, which mm-hmm. just lost all of the money, and Spies in Disguise, which just kind of exists. Um, so he's he certainly had a better year than he's had in the past couple years.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. We all love Will Smith. But he has a really bad IMDb. Like I can awful. Like I think. Like maybe his last good movie is like Focus, or like I like I don't even know like what his, his like good movie of this decade would be. Like he has. And you have know, Bright and Collateral Beauty, which is one of the most confounding like just misfires of like the last few years. And you have Suicide in there, Suicide Squad, and you have Concussion or. It's just the meme of him just yelling, tell the truth in the really bad, (laughs) like uh, African-American accent. It's just, man, he's it's I mean, it's it's good for him because like I feel like Bad Boys for Life is the first movie in forever to kind of just let Will Smith be Will Smith. And that's when he's at his best, when he's just really charming and fun. And yeah, like he's just been kind of stuck in the like the franchise machine for so long, just doing God knows what. Yeah,
0: and he's got the uh, King Richard movie coming out later this year, uh, which I think will be kind of a good return to form for him. Uh, that's the Venus and Serena Williams uh, biopic. And so hopefully he's he's kind of on the rebound because, yeah, he's had a rough decade. Um, I will stand focused. That movie is a lot of fun. But
2: overall, it's been pretty underwhelming. I think besides the accent, I enjoyed Concussion. That was all right
1: i don't remember it i just remember i just remember tell the truth
2: (laughs) uh i mean will smith man i mean he think of it though he's in a lot he's busy i mean i don't know like you're bringing it up now that's like four movies in the last like uh eight nine months or so um he's a busy guy
1: yeah he comes out with like at least one or two movies every single year like he stays current like everyone i feel like everyone likes will smith to some degree it's like no one's like ah, fuck that guy it's like he's He's always around. He's he's really fun on social media. He has a really fun YouTube page. But yeah, it's just whatever. For whatever reason, he has a really bad picker. Um, but it is nice because Bad Boys for Life is just it's just kind of a fun movie. It's not like it's not gonna be anywhere near my love for the Beach Bum. Uh, but it's um, it's just it, it exists in a good way. It's just really fun action. It's kind of it's weird because it's the ninety million dollar, not incredibly high stakes action movie, like action comedy. is just not a thing we see anymore. Um, So it is really refreshing just to kind of see this movie get made. So yeah, it's it's just good good for bad boys for life. You really, it's just it's just really good to see.
0: Yeah, it's it's doing business. Um, it's doing the thing. I mean, it is going to have, you know, some. Pretty big competition coming up this weekend, but I think overall, like it's had solid legs so far. I think it's going to keep going quite a while. And I mean, even with Birds of Prey, there's been like this controversy over a lack of pre-sales compared to other superhero movies. So I think I think Bad Boys is going to hold on pretty well in the weeks to come.
1: Yeah, it's going to it's going to do just fine. I I I would guess this movie gets near 400 million when it's all said and done. Um, it's just. And even Birds of Prey, it's not there's not a ton of crossover of the type of audiences that would go to both of these movies. So yeah, like this movie is just gonna hang around, kinda do what a lot of these movies in the top five have been doing, just kind of get these like eight, nine million dollar grosses week by week and just kinda hang around and just make decent chunks of change. So yeah, it's 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 not going anywhere. It's gonna be it's gonna be probably in the top five for a few more weeks.
0: And yeah, that's Bad Boys for Life. So we'll move on to 1917, which is in its sixth week at the box office, uh, pulling in just shy of $10 million at $9.6 um, and actually opened in 50 more theaters this week, which with uh, BAFTAs and the Academy Awards, they probably played a big hand in that just as a lot of these movies are coming back and trying to make sure that they're making the most of the publicity they have right now and getting people more invested for them when it comes time to vote. Uh, but it's sitting pretty well. It's at 250 million dollars worldwide, and just has been pretty universally acclaimed, except for on this podcast. It's it's
2: <laughs> working. I mean, it's putting in work. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Christopher Nolan probably wishes he dropped Dunkirk in like the end of December.
1: Yeah, well, I guess he's doing. I mean, Dunkirk did really good business, though. So it I did, guess but I mean, this is no. Yeah. I mean,
2: it did good business, but I mean, awards-wise, like 19. Oh, yeah, I see what Dun- you mean. Yeah, it's on another level and. I don't know, this is crazy. I think that it, it is the awards buzz that's driving this movie. I mean, like, perfect release time. This is one of the best planned, like, kind of just openings I've ever seen. This is great.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, too, because normally, like, that that Christmas or, like, even that late December release for awards movie, it doesn't always pick up quite the traction that you would think. Like, I feel like that November or October is, like, kind of the sweet spot for a lot of these Best Picture nominees. But, yeah, it's... It's doing really, it's doing really good business, and it's just, cl- it's cleaning up at all these awards. Well, these awards bodies it did really well at PGAs and all that, all these other stuff. It's, yeah, it's, and it's probably going to win Best Picture. It looks like that's the case, um, which is just kind of not not annoying to me, but just kind of like such a whatever pick that we'll forget. But yeah, it's it's definitely going to on the heels of that, just continue to do really well. Probably see it. Drop maybe twenty percent every week after it wins, something like that. It's yeah, 30, 300 million is definitely within their own possibility, uh, easily. It's yeah, like like Bad Boys for Life. This one's going to be sticking around for a much longer.
0: Yeah, and I think the only thing really working against nineteen seventeen is just how large the budget was. So it's estimated at about $100 million. And I mean, they marketed this like crazy. So it's a marketing budget. It's got to be pretty high. So while it's it definitely has made money, it's not going to be just as large of a financial success because it's sitting at about $250 million worldwide on top of what's probably about a two million, $200 million budget when all is said and done.
1: Yeah, you got to think that Universal was, was hoping on award success, which it has gotten. So it's definitely going to be in theaters for longer. And I think part of it is like, oh, when you win best picture, you're probably going to see an increase in like DVD sales and like VOD and things like that. So um, there's definitely like a long game element to this where I mean, I, I know I'm not going to be thinking about 1917 a few months from now, but the fact that it won Best Picture, it's gonna, there's gonna be some staying power there for a lot of people. So you, this could be something like down the road where it's just kind of eking out like decent little profits for Universal, like in residuals and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know, but you're definitely right there. Yeah, that budget is not, it's not great, but yeah, you can really can't
2: complain too much. No, yeah, this is this thing's gonna like as you said, it's a long game. This is. This is their play for the for the big one, and I think that it it's going to be like, it, it, I mean, winning Best Picture. Obviously, you're kind of you're you're there for life, right? Like you're you're immortalized in that respect, and the money's just going to be pouring in. Um, so I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it's it's not a concern for anybody
0: that made the movie, but it's just money. So uh, we'll move on to a movie that is not making money, and that is <laughs> Doolittle, which with a whopping estimate of $175 million budget has managed to pull in just a little over $126 million worldwide, uh, which is just absolutely abysmal because that's not even considering marketing costs. Doolittle is a pretty strong flop. and. No one seems to really care
1: for it either. So, <laughs> yeah, it seems like this. I think there was estimates upon its release that it was going to lose seven seventy five to one hundred million dollars for Universal. So, hopefully, that um, that nineteen seventeen money kind of helps out with this one. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those really bad movies that I know Colin and I were both at Sundance and just trying to catch up a lot this weekend, and I just couldn't bring myself to see this. I just don't want to. Like, it just from everything you hear, it just sounds like it's just awful. And Robert Downey Jr. is just doing whatever the hell he's doing with that Cockney accent. And, um, there's like a dragon fart is like the third act of this movie. <laughs> apparently. Uh, I, that's just, that's not for me. Uh, I guess I'll see it at some point. Uh, cause I, cause I see everything and I'm weird like that, but yeah, I just don't,
2: <laughs> I don't
1: want to at all.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mistake. I don't think I've gotten a chance to really voice, uh, Anything about this movie? Because we had the Sundance break last weekend and stuff like that. But Doolittle. I mean, I think it's just a testament that yes, Robert Downey Jr. is an absolute superstar when he's wearing the uh, Iron Suit. um I, Like there was, there was like this is just an absolute misfire. I think they just felt we have Robert Downey Jr. Universal felt this this movie's going to sell on him alone, and they also they had like that crazy cast that I mean, in every commercial and trailer, they just threw up like twenty names of pretty popular people and they were just hoping that, that would work and it just isn't. This movie's gonna be lucky if it even like passes its budget, which is kind of sad.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> this is just a really weird the thing, just because you know Downey's coming off of the biggest movie ever and doing this. Um
2: yeah, that's too little. <laughs> 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 <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, he, he made. I think he got uh, he got twenty million dollars too for Too Little. So I mean, he's 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 happy. He's not complaining. Okay.
1: It's a, it'll be interesting to see what he does like post Iron Man and all that stuff. Because remember the Judge that came out a few years yeah. ago? It was like mm-hmm. like his big like oh this is me going back to dramatic uh, filmmaking. I, I forget when that was made. Maybe like right after Iron Man three or something like was 2016. in twenty sixteen. Yeah. So it, and sure. then and it just wasn't good like it all and like somehow uh robert duvall got a best supporting actor nom for it but besides that everyone was like yeah this movie isn't good um so i'll be interested to kind of see what he's into after all this is done. because because Doolittle was one of those projects where they rewrote it on set and they were doing all these crazy things they brought in a new director because Stephen gagan just wasn't cutting it as the first director so It'll be—he kind of has like a a clean slate after this now, so it'll be kind of interesting to see. Like, oh, what is he into? Is he looking to do more like high-key dramatic work and like these like forty, the thirty to forty million dollar movies, or is he just going to be more? Is there going to be more doolittle going on? I don't know. It's (laughs) it's definitely something to monitor with him going forward.
0: Yeah, Um, (laughs) I don't know what else to say about Doolittle. I mean, it's just. It's just such an incident, insignificant movie, Just it, it just fails at everything. Uh, it, that's the only thing I've heard, is that it just it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it's tough,
2: um, tough time for Universal.
0: So with that, we'll move on to Gretel and Hansel, which is the movie where the girl is pulling hair out of her mouth in the poster, um, which is just kind of the retelling of Hansel and Gretel in case the title didn't give that away um, pulled in a little bit over $6 million this past weekend and sitting in a budget of about $5 million. It's off to a solid start. I mean, they've already made back the production budget and I'm sure it'll make up the rest of marketing and a nice, nice little sum in the weeks going forward.
1: Yeah. I, I really dug this movie surprisingly. Um, So it, it's directed by Oz Perkins, uh, Nor- Norman Bates's son, um, and so he's been he's done a few like indie-ish horror movies. He did this movie for Eight Twenty Four, The Black Black Coats Daughter, a few years ago, um, and this movie I think is destined for a cult following because it's it's not that like that cheapo horror movie thing you would think of. Like even from the the poster where you see the hair getting pulled out of the mouth, it's not like. Oh, it's all this weird imagery and jump scares, and it's it's really just like a really weird mood piece where, like each picture, like each frame is like a painting, and all these reds and really interesting oranges and blues, and it it looks really, it's very atmospheric and moody at all times, and I really dug it. It's just it's kind of like a just like a warm blanket of creep the whole time, where there's just the kind of just weird shit happening, and you, it's just it's. It's you could like throw like an A twenty four logo on the front of this thing and you wouldn't really bat an eye at it. It's it's not the uh, like your stereotypical January horror movie, which I really appreciate. Um, it does seem that um, that Cinema Score is at a C minus, which I think does lend itself to the kind of that that cult um, audience because um, I think there's going to be a lot of people who hate this movie and a lot of people who find something really interesting in it. Um, uh, but I really liked it. I think there's there's definitely a lot of craft here and it's very interesting and it's a very interesting way to retell this story uh, that we've seen so many times. Uh, I would, I'd recommend it. I would see, I would tell people to seek this one out.
2: I had no idea this was coming out until like two days before the weekend. (laughs) And and you know what, based off everything I've heard, I'll I'll definitely check it out.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just so bizarre. Uh, It's not, it's definitely an oddity. It's one of those, you can tell it was compromised a little bit, um there's like some weird narration in it and from uh gretel played like sophia sophia lillis from uh it uh it doesn't it seemed like that was just kind of added in there to kind of just cater to general audiences because it really doesn't it just kind of explains what's kind of already in the imagery already um and it feels like there's like probably like 10 to 15 minutes cut out of this movie it's really short it's not even 90 minutes i think it's like 87 something like that um but yeah it's it's such a strange little thing uh, that I really enjoyed. And it's kind of like the whole thing about it is like, oh yeah, great production design and imagery, but like the plot, like what is it? Um, I don't even know if it's even trying to have a plot. It's just kind of, I mean, it's the, it's just the weird twisted handsome Gretel story where they just, they come upon a witch and then just like kind of just weird shit happens. And then the movie's over and that's kind of it. Um, There are some interesting like little feminism stuff in there as well with Gretel being the older, of the two in this uh, and, and her, and she's like coming into her own in here, Um, I think there's, this could be something that people return to like, like midnight screenings or things like that. It's, it's very strange. I wouldn't, I would tell people not to let it pass by, even if you're going to like rent it at some point, it's very, it's very weird.
0: Yeah. I like, this is one that I've seen the trailers for, but just, I don't know, for some reason, it never really just kind of popped out as something I needed to see. And with, you know, going to Sundance last week, it just kind of fell through. And I don't know if I'll get a chance to come back to it. But I, I like watching horror movies succeed because I think, especially when they're inventive like this, I really hate watching something like Insidious Chapter 7 with the same <laughs> five jump scares make millions. when you, you actually have some of the more inventive stuff flopping. And I'm, I'm glad to see this moving forward pretty strong at the start.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's probably like one jump scare in it and it's kind of an earned one cuz it leads to like somewhat of a sequence afterwards, but yeah, it's just it's just very bizarre and very like trippy imagery and I I'd, I'd be interested to see what uh, Oz Perkins does next or what like if he gets into more uh mainstream stuff or if he goes back to maybe 324 for something. Um he's he's a very inventive dude who's Doing a lot of interesting things uh, visually, so I'd like—I'd really like to see what he does next.
0: Yeah, and so with that, we'll move on to the gentleman, uh, which pulled in just a little bit over six million dollars this past weekend, and also opened in an additional five hundred theaters, and is—it's um, like critically, it's been kind of a mixed bag, but. As a Guy Ritchie fan, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Hopefully, this week, sitting at about 48 million dollars worldwide, which for something that's going to be much smaller than, you know, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, uh, is not off to that bad of a start. And I mean, it's got a budget of about 22, so the gentleman is working, even if it's not working fantastically well.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things. We've we've kind of ragged on STX for a while, just with. <laughs> ugly dolls and Playmobil and all this other shit that they kind of pick up and save from other failed production houses. But I think this is one of their smarter moves. Cause so that, yeah, this movie isn't very expensive and they're only in charge of the, the U S uh, distribution. So like, they're not even on the hook for all of that. And this movie's already made over 20 million, as you said. So yeah, they really can't complain. It's just a tidy little sum of money for this one. Um, and it seemed like I saw this movie last night as I was catching up with a few movies, and it was a packed house, and people seemed to really like it. And there is something about having a bunch of just charming British people and Matthew McConaughey all in the same movie together, just kind of just like cursing at each other and just being very foul-mouthed and doing that kind of that gangster thing that Guy Ritchie loves to do. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's there's definitely something for a lot of people here, and um, I think people will find it because it's doing really well.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but it's one that I'm definitely going to get around to soon. I've just kind of been catching up on um, a couple of the like foreign, like, or international film selections for the Oscars um, and some other stuff that I've been trying to see. But uh, it's one that I'm definitely looking forward to checking out soon. And I saw your tweet. You said it's just like uh, Nick. I saw you tweeted. You said it's like a perfectly fine Guy Ritchie film.
1: Yeah, it's if you're going by the Letterboxd standards of rating, it is like the definition of a three star, a three out of five movie. Where it's, there's really not much to it. I mean, I guess in terms of plot mechanics, there's a lot to it. Because there's a little bit of twisting and turning and reveals and things like that. But it's not, in terms of viewer engagement, there's not, you don't really have to psych yourself up to see this. Or really get into some kind of contemplative mood to watch it or anything like that. It's just people being just kind of charmingly terrible. (laughs) Like a lot of these characters are pretty racist. Which is, I think that's one of the big Points against this movie, which I definitely understand, because there's just like there's a lot of bad running jokes to about the the, the Chinese characters in this movie. It's n- it's not great. Um, I think part of it is, I mean, they're just terrible people. But yeah, it's it's not great in that sense. But yeah, it's just a lot of just people you know, uh, just kind of hamming it up. And Hugh Grant is great in this. Is he's kind of channeling whatever he was doing in Paddington Two somewhat as like a <laughs> really he's a really sleazy like kind of like British tabloid kind of journalist. Uh, He's just having a ball. And Colin Farrell is a, is a boxing coach who he wears. He has a group of YouTube star fighters who are just recording things as they beat people up. (laughs) It's, it's absurd. It's just, it's a lot of fun people. Yeah. Like I said, it's a lot of fun people just going nuts for two hours and there's, there's something to that. You can't really go wrong in that sense.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely excited to see it. And I just, I'm a sucker for a guy, Richie movie in general. So I I don't have much to complain about. Um, even if, even in his worst movies, um, like I'm a, I'm a man from uncle fan, even though there aren't, I love the man from
1: uncle. I love the man from uncle. I stay in that movie. (laughs) Henry, (laughs) Henry Cavill gets to act in that movie for once. And it's great. (laughs) No, I love it.
0: It's just, I just, I like what he sells. Um, you know, say what you will about Downey's accent and the Sherlock Holmes movies. <laughs> Granted, I haven't seen him in like eight years, but I'm still there for those two.
1: I I weirdly stand uh, King Arthur. I guess that's I just <laughs> a weird dude. I watched it and I was like, ah, that wasn't terrible because it's just it's him doing his Guy Ritchie isms, but in King Arthur stuff. <laughs> so I thought it was so weird and kind of fascinating because it's just Charlie Hunnam looking like. like like a modern day English person, but he's doing King Arthur stuff. It's what's his face. David Beckham is guarding Excalibur at some point. It's just, it's, it's pure insanity. And I kind of love that.
0: Um, yeah, (laughs) that is pretty much it for the top five, but there was another movie, uh, that opened up this weekend, the rhythm section, which is the Blake lively movie about, uh, It's basically like The Punisher, from what I understand. Basically, her family dies, and she wants to find out who killed them. Uh, But it opened to a little under three million, at two point eight million against a fifty dollar, fifty million dollar budget. Fifty dollars. Yeah, a fifty (laughs) dollar budget, a a fifty million dollar budget. So this one is crashing pretty hard, Um, and this was in three thousand theaters, so it's not going to get much bigger of a market if any um yeah th- this is gonna go away pretty quickly
1: i i saw this movie like so i got out of my my screening two and a half hours ago and i i'm already forgetting most of what happened in this movie yeah it's, <laughs> it's one of those it's not good it's very, it's really not good
2: yeah i mean this is uh this it's probably one of the like uh, on on the bad side for opening weekends for a film that is in a little over three thousand theaters, like that, like that could be not breaking records, but that's probably going to make some lists.
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of one of the it's like a classic January movie in all sense of the word because one is just not very good. So yeah, like January, obviously, but it's also had really bad, bad production issues. So I think this this movie belonged to um, I think it was was it Global Road who who released show dogs and all that crap and then quickly shuttered <laughs> afterwards. So Paramount came in and saved this movie. And then uh, Blake Lively, I think got hurt. And during the filming of this movie, I think she broke her hand. And I think it's one of it did like a Tom Cruise fallout thing where they kept that, that cut in the movie. I think you can see her breaking her hand. So if you want to go see it for that reason, go ahead. Um, <laughs> but so like, production at the start for like had to stop for like six months or something. Um, so yeah, it's just a really messy kind of thing that they just kind of tossed in a January, hoping that it would do something. Uh, and then, it, and then it did not. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nothing really to write home about at all. It's just people die tragically. And then it's an over overly serious movie about blood revenge and Jude law is there being charming for like a hot second, but then he disappears. And, Blake, Blake Lively's trying really hard with a British accent, but not quite, not quite getting there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just very messy. It's just, it's one of those bad movies. It's not really fun to talk about because it's just kind of a bummer and not totally well done. Uh, so yeah, it's, and we're going to forget about this movie very shortly if we haven't already. Yeah, it's, I
0: wish Blake Lively would get cast in better movies. Cause like, I think which is in a movie that works like a simple favor, which i absolutely loved um i think she kills it but i think she also gets stuck in a lot of movies that are not necessarily this same genre of movie but the same kind of thing where it's just kind of a broken movie to begin with and then like ah she's famous enough and i'd really like to see her be in things better than you know the green lantern and the rhythm section
1: (laughs) it's so true i feel like a, a, a simple favor is like the one movie that's like kind of unlocked what she is as a star and i it's weird because I think she shares a lot of the same issues that Ryan Reynolds had at some point in his career where he was in all these movies. Everyone was like, oh, he's like like blandly handsome, but I don't really get what he's up to. Like, what's his thing? And then they kind of like figured it out with Deadpool, We're like, oh, he's this snarky asshole. And I feel like Blake Lively is a similar kind of just like she's like a dastardly, really fun, intoxicating kind of presence that um it, it's not fun to watch when she's just like a, a like a drugged out prostitute in the rhythm section <laughs> it's just not fun to watch i mean and, and it's not even like thrilling or anything like that it's just it's it's just a struggle it's not great
0: yeah um, but we're not going to be talking about this movie it, and there's always <laughs> like it's weird because i feel like the rhythm section has been made at least once a year, like there's always just kind of a fringe, like vaguely spy revenge movie. Like there was Peppermint, I think last year, the year before that, uh, there was Anna, which I couldn't even tell you what year that was. Um, there's just a lot of these, this movie gets made a lot.
1: Yeah. It's like Miss Bala too, last year. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so stupid. Like, and it's also just a terrible title for a movie. Like what the fuck is the rhythm section? Like, like to in the movie it's like oh jude Jude law is like a train like her trainer like her assassin trainer telling her what to do and things like that And it's like oh like think of your think of your breath and your heart as the rhythm section where you have to get them in sync or it's like some stupid thing about keeping calm and relaxed and it doesn't really matter at all (laughs) like like he's he explains it and then like at one point later on like you can hear her beating like kind of loud through sound effects but that's that's kind of it. So it's just like that's supposed to be like the like the metaphor of the movie. And it's just really stupid. <laughs> so like you should have just named it like Blake Lively spy assassin or I don't know something that makes sense because people are just like they're like what the fuck is the rhythm section? Like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't track to like anyone who just like sees like a poster or like the trailer or anything like that. It's just a weird choice. <sighs> big, yeah. big, yeah.
0: Uh, big rip. <laughs> Big oof. That is the rhythm section, and that is also the last time we'll be talking about it. Uh, but <laughs> no, I'm
1: <I'll> br- week... <laughs> bringing it, it back. We're doing rhythm section, spoiler pod, spoiler series. That's all we're going to talk about for the next five weeks. Uh,
0: but next week, the peak of cinema returns with the sequel to the Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, um, which I'm, I'm honestly kind of excited for because it looks like they're just being really weird with it and they've stripped it down a lot and it's just uh, harley quinn is basically the only returning character and they're getting into some of the lesser known batman villains and they just seem to be doing whatever they feel like doing with it which i think is what dc has slowly kind of learned with shazam and um wonder woman and unfortunately joker within the past year that they kind of have license to do that so i'm i'm here for birds of prey i'm hyped
1: yeah, me too. It looks it was on my most anticipated movies of the year. It looks really fun. And it looks like a really good recalibration of the Harley Quinn character. And she she it looks like she's shooting people with bubble gum and they ex, bubble gum and they explode into like confetti. It's like, sure. Like why not? This looks fun.
2: Yeah, it's it's yeah. looking good. I mean, even ever since the first trailer, I remember there's not complete mixed reception but i know there's some people on both sides but I, I really dug the first trailer and i like the direction that they're kind of going in with this thing so i'm looking forward to it next weekend for sure
0: yeah we've also got horse girl which was a movie i saw at sundance that i absolutely adored as well as timmy failure which is a movie at sundance i very strongly chose not to see <laughs> um, and- me too <laughs> so uh those will both be out streaming uh horse girl on netflix and timmy failure on disney plus so it should be a much more exciting weekend uh, at least on our part
2: so disney's pulling up to uh sundance yes with disney not, plus content about a not kid Not
0: strongly and his... but they're there <laughs> it's about a kid <laughs> and his uh polar bear uh business partner I mean, So cool. think of that how you will